0: This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. That was, of course, Sean Spicer had his very first appearance as the official White House spokesperson. And many people agree it wasn't his finest moment. He has recovered somewhat since then. But it got us talking here at the Weekly Standard about who have been the best and worst PR flacks for the presidents. And when it comes to PR flackery, I always think Philip Terzian, literary editor here at the Weekly Standard.
1: our Flackery is my middle name.
0: <laughs> Which makes your driver's license look very strange. So you brought us, and, and we include, uh, for people to go to the website and see the podcast, an image of a, an original cartoon from the Carter era. Tell us about President Carter and his spokesperson and why you thought that was significant. Well, it was a cartoon of Jimmy Carter's only press secretary, Jody
1: Powell, who has since died. Jody Powell, I thought at the time, that cartoon, by the way, is 42. Well, exactly 40 years old this year. It, it illustrated a piece I did on the comparative aggrandizement of the press secretary in American history. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a position that doesn't really exist in, in any uh, uh, <laughs> matrix of the federal government. And by the time Jimmy Carter became president, they were the celebrities in their own right.
0: Who was the first president to give us what we would consider kind of the current model of, yeah, the president's over there, but there's this other guy or gal, and when they speak, it's the president speaking? Well, you have to remember
1: that— until the twentieth century, there really wasn't any White House press corps. I mean, there were corris- a few correspondents in Washington in the early years and in, in the early decades of the twentieth century. There would be uh, assistants to the president who would deal with the White House, the the reporters who would come to the White House. The first staffer who was detailed basically to deal with the press was a man named Stephen Early. who was an ex-newspaper man who was in Franklin Roosevelt's administration. He there were he had a couple of successors then. Uh, president Truman had a man named Joseph Short, who was uh, uh, once again an assistant to the president who dealt with the press. But the first person to be r- really basically designated as the press secretary, and that was his full-time job, mm-hmm. was a man named uh, James Haggerty, a former New York Times reporter, who was President Eisenhower's press secretary for all eight years of his presidency.
0: Mm-hmm. And did he do, like, these regular briefings with a bunch of people sitting in the press room and take their questions on the fly?
1: Not exactly. I mean, he regarded his role as being supplying information to the press, answering their questions as needed. And as he famously said at the beginning, he may sometimes say, I don't know, or he might say no comment, which was to mean, I know, but I simply can't (laughs) tell you at the moment and be perfectly honest about it. There there wasn't really enough that era, and this would go through uh, certainly even the Kennedy administration mm-hmm. where he had a very popular press secretary named Pierre Salinger, they didn't really have the adversarial role that they have now. I mean, now the press secretary is not only the supplier of information, so-called, mm-hmm. but he's the man who's sent out there every day to, to to do battle on behalf of his boss. And that's very different from what how the job was conceived in the old days.
0: Before we get to your nominees for the best and worst picks for this Job. Who do you think was the first White House spokesperson whose job was to spin, as we know in the common sense? In other words, you mentioned I don't know and no comment. You're not going to get that now. You're going to get tap dancing now. Who was the first rhetorical tap dancer in the White House? Well,
1: I would say uh, Jody Powell, the okay. fellow in our illustration. I mean, as, as you might imagine, my view is that the press corps in the White House, and I base this on 40-plus years of experience uh, (laughs) nearby, they regard their job as being adversarial when there's a Republican president, less so when there's a Democratic president. So you had very good press secretaries. Ron Nesson, for example, who was Gerald Ford's second press secretary, was a very good press secretary, tried very hard to get along with the with the the, the reporters. He was a very efficient and, and affable in supplying information and trying to get questions answered. But um, especially after President Ford uh, pardoned Richard Nixon, which incidentally caused the resignation of his then press secretary, Jerry Terhorst, the atmosphere got a little pointed. And by the time Jody Powell became press secretary, and of course, once again, Carter was one of those Democratic presidents who, for some strange reason, was suspicious of the White House press corps, even though they were basically in business to make him look good. He had a comparatively adversarial relationship with the press. They were always cleaning up uh, problems that occurred. (laughs) And I would say- the,
0: a uh, brother causing problems back. Well, in that planes and the, planes, uh, or, or the, the Ham the, Jordan's exactly. famous uh,
1: comment about the Egyptian ambassador's wife, which I, I don't. How can I explain this? On, <laughs> under these circumstances, <laughs> he was at a party where the uh, uh, the ambassador's wife was, and he greeted her with a greeting that was interpreted as we would now call it sexual harassment. Okay. Frankly. Um, <laughs> Uh, he took one look at Mrs. Ambassador and said, I'd have always wanted to see the pyramids, and here they are. Wow. And that was an enormous uh,
0: mini-scandal <laughs> right now. Now I thankfully I want to totally write that down. I wanna, I'm using that one. Absolutely. So um, let me so, so let me stop you there, then. Uh, Jody Powell, kind of the first modern press secretary in the way we know it. <sighs> Who do you think did the job the best in the sense of representing their boss? And then was there someone who was picked that people kind of thought would be good at it and then they kind of didn't work out? I'll give you an example. There was some talk that Laura Ingram I'm a recovering talk show host. I filled in for Laura many times. They're, they're talking about her for press secretary. And I said, that's just a mistake. We, my job as a talk show host is to start fires. The job of the press secretary is to put out fires. I thought Josh Ernest was exceptionally good at taking a situation where there were all kinds of problems for the president. And he was just this big fire extinguisher. This foam would come out of his mouth and and the temperature will go down. So uh, good picks and bad picks. Well, if you think
1: the press secretary is sent out there each day to do battle with the press, you would want someone like Laura Ingram. I just tend to think, as you do, that that's self-defeating. I would say that, yes, uh, Josh Earnest has been very good. Ari Fleischer, who was George W. Bush's first press secretary, was excellent at smothering questions <laughs> and problems <laughs> with verbiage. Um, there have been others. Mike McCurry, who was one of Bill Clinton's press secretaries, was very active this was all he was there during the height of impeachment. He was remained everybody's friend. He was comparatively fair to, to people and, and gained a lot of friends, which of course is always important in Washington. I don't know if it's necessarily doing the people's business. He was much better than another uh, Clinton press secretary named Joe Lockhart, who was endlessly combative and not the brightest bite bu- light bulb in the, <laughs> in the administration and right. was I thought kind of a disaster for Clinton. I would say the best was, was probably Marlon Fitzwater, who was George H.W. Bush's press secretary, who was unquestionably, he was a defender of the of the protector of the administration. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, immensely fair um, tried to get along with everybody, was very efficient at supplying the needs of of needy journalists. I always thought he was quite good. The worst I would say, it's a it's a slight anomaly but um, it, an example of what you mentioned earlier, when Gerald Ford became president, they of course swept out the Nixon apparatus right. and he brought in a much beloved Washington correspondent for the uh, Detroit News or Free Press, I can't remember now, named Gerald Terhorst and everyone thought oh this is a brilliant addition everybody trusts Jerry Terhorst he's not going to lie he's exactly the kind of fellow that we want and uh, good old Jerry well a month later when, when Ford uh pardon Nixon, Jerry left in a huff, so I, to me, Terror Horst has always therefore remained, even though some people think it was an example of, a rare example of integrity, I think that you you take a job like that with your eyes open, and I don't think that in retrospect, pardoning Richard Nixon was a war crime, so I thought it was, and and it it was a disservice to the president who had given him this tremendous gift, really.
0: And I think it's consensus view now that President Ford's decision to pardon Nixon was good for the country and a selfless act. He knew it was going to hurt him politically. And given that he ended up losing to Jimmy Carter by about 1% of the popular vote or less, you could argue that that was the whole campaign right there. Uh, It's interesting you mentioned Marlon Fitzwater. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say, I'm not trying to be mean to Mr. Fitzwater, who I vaguely remember, but recall he was good at his job. He was particularly... Not television friendly in appearance. Am I? Is, is that a? Am I fair in saying? Well, that? that's true. And he I always was, thought that was just interesting because you know your job is to be on TV. You're going to be on TV every, almost every night. There's the press thing in the room, and there's this guy who's not going to be People Magazine's best-looking guy anytime soon. And I just, that's always was interesting to me. Well, I always find that that sort of. I mean, of course,
1: glamorous John F. Kennedy's press secretary was kind of the same physical type you're (laughs) describing. He wasn't bald like Marlon Fitzroy, but Pierre Salinger was nobody's glamour boy. Uh, And I think that's a sign of maturity in any president. (laughs) I mean, one of the problems I find with surviving network Mm -hmm. news is when you look at that, I was watching David Muir last night interviewing uh Donald Trump and his square jaw and the wavy hair and those (laughs) bedroom eyes. I mean, I mean, how can you take it seriously?
0: (laughs) Well, we always take your opinions and insights seriously. Philip Terzian, literary editor for the Weekly Standard. And you can read his great work at WeeklyStandard.com. You'll find our podcasts there at WeeklyStandard.com slash podcast or just hit the button right at the top of the screen. But even better than that, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes.com. It's free and the podcast automatically appears in your iPhone, iPad, etc. That's iTunes.com Weekly Standard. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.